You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. How are y'all? Y'all is good? I love it. So happy to be here this morning. Somebody, one of those taller people. <laughs> Notice how it just went down like a couple inches? It makes a, it makes a giant difference when you're, you know, five foot 13. <clears throat> Anyways, oh, welcome to Renew Life Church. Uh, good news, we actually have signs on our building now. We are officially a church, yes. Super great. We're not some uh, building that houses people on Sundays like a cult that is mysterious in the, in the community. We're actually a church, which is great. Um, we have been for a while. Uh, we're getting ready to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. Super excited about that. It's going to be so good. God has done some incredible things, wild things, in 10 years. We, if you're new to Reading Life Church, we were a set-up and tear-down church for seven years. And uh, we, we had this incredible company that we partnered with called Church in a Box. Basically what they did is they came, they uh, assessed everything that we had in terms of equipment. Uh, all of our children's class stuff, our, our sanctuary stuff, everything that we had, our foyer, all the things. And they create these boxes on wheels that everything has a place and everything goes into a, an enclosed trailer in a particular order. So we had a, a trailer that facilitated everything upstairs, a trailer that facilitated everything downstairs that was kids. We were in the Cole Theater, Midland Community Theater for seven years and uh, God did incredible things, built some incredible teams. Um, if you need to build a team of people, be a set up and tear down church. Uh, if you wanna know who your real friends are, invite them to help you move. Uh, <laughs> You'll, you'll quickly know who is with you and who isn't. And uh, man, we had such a, a great time, obviously struggles and obviously challenges of not being in your own facility. And as I think about that season, um, I think of how grateful I am for, for just having this place, this building. I know it's a building and it houses us, but it makes things extremely um, effective and extremely comfortable. And uh, so I'm really, really honored and thanks, thankful to the Lord that he would allow us to have a place like this. And so uh, also, since I'm on the, top de- the topic of our tenure, uh, that day, it's gonna be August 20th, um, you'll be praying for Braden and Leanne, our senior pastors. So actually, our birthday is on August 13th. Uh, that is our tenure. But that, that weekend, they're gonna be taking their oldest daughter, their first and oldest, uh, to college in Colorado. And so they're like, hey, for the sake of our emotions and all of the things, can we just not celebrate the 10-year party, uh, the 10-year anniversary on the 13th? We're gonna take our baby and leave her, and so be praying for them in this new season. Um, I know God's doing some really cool things for them in them, but also for Susanna, and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna celebrate on the 20th of August, and we'll have a guest speaker uh, that'll preach both services. His name is Corey Russell. Uh, Corey Russell's been a part of, he was a part of IHOP for a very, very long time. Um, and An incredible dynamic speaker, loves the Lord, loves prayer. Uh, he, he spends, uh, his daily routine is somewhere around six hours a day just in prayer, which is incredible. And when he, when he speaks, you know 
you can almost see the power coming off of him and uh, even just see where he has been with the Lord uh, on that day. And, and it's just an it's incredible thing. So he'll be here with us for both services, um, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And then uh, on Sunday night, we'd love to have you. Uh, we're actually having a worship a worship night, uh, celebration night. Uh, Bethany Worley, uh, she'll be back with us. Um, Bethany and Chris were our worship pastors. They moved uh, to Tennessee, and so she'll be back with us. Uh, Paul McClure um, is also gonna come and join us. And uh, Callie Hagenthal, I'm gonna call her that. It's a beautiful name that I don't know how to say. And so it's gonna be a great time. Really, really looking forward to it. So make some plans to be with us on the 20th. Um, man, were you all here last week? How many of you were here last week? Can you give it up for Kyle? I heard he did an incredible job. So awesome. Um, I, listened to his, I listened to his message, and a couple times I'm like, bro, this, I, was, I was listening to it on YouTube and doing some work, and every now and then I'd click off of what I was doing just to watch him on the screen, and I'm like, I'm fixing to start running hot laps in my office if I'm not careful, like just some... Holy Ghost hot laps in my office as Kyle was just rolling. So uh, super, you know, I, I would just say this. It's incredible to be in a place uh, to pastor a church where you can leave. We were on our men's access hunt last week and um, incredible time there. But it's, it's, in, it's an amazing thing to be able to leave and not have a single worry about who, who has your church, who has the people who's speaking, um, our worship team, our, our sound team, everything that we have in place is, it's really just a, a gift from God and I just, it's so much fun to be a part of a new life church. It's, it's just a joy and an honor. So um, I'm gonna share today on a topic that you're probably gonna be like, again? Oh, we gotta talk about this again? Mm-hmm. It's identity. Identity is what we're gonna talk about. I believe that Satan is after our identity maybe more than anything else. And it's not because he can change your identity. It's that he wants, you to get you, he wants to get you to the place where you believe something about what God has said about your identity and who you are in Christ. He has no power to change it. He just wants to shift your belief about what God has said you are and who God said you are. So we're gonna talk and dive into, into identity. It might feel a little bit like a counseling session. I told the pre-service team, I'm like, if you've been in my office for uh, any sort of meeting, You've probably heard this message preached to you a bunch of times. Uh, identity is such a, a huge thing. Insecurity is such a, a, a thing that we all deal with and pride in some ways, some things that we deal with. And, and I just believe that uh, if we will cement the fact that, that we are to be found in Christ, our mind, will, and emotions will stop leading us as much as they do. So we're gonna dive into this. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna, we're gonna just... Uh, go for it. So Father, I thank you uh, for what's taking place in this room and I give you the space, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would speak to me, speak through me, that I wouldn't have the thought that I have spoke on this so many times that I know it so well. I, I pray, Father, that you would speak in a new way. I don't want to be a, a, a dog of old tricks and I just ask that you would open us all up, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Father, that you would lead us further into godly identity, that the, that the scriptures, that the words that are spoken would, would strike things on the inside of us, God, that you would wake us up, that we would actually 
start living from the place that you have called us to live. Thank you for your power and your presence. We invite you in this room, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I believe this, one of the single most powerful things that someone can come to know is to know who they are in Christ and for them to actually believe that they can do the things that he has called them to do. In fact, I would say this, the the most important thing that you can believe is God. God is the single most important thing that you can believe. From your belief about God, everything flows. From your belief about the type of God that he is, everything flows. If you believe that God is a God that is waiting to strike you because you missed the mark, you will live your life in this place of being deathly afraid to make any steps in faith because you don't want to make a mistake. You'll, you'll recluse and not allow God to live supernaturally through you. The thing that you believe about God is the single most important thing about you. The second thing I would say is the, the thing that you believe God says about you empowers you to live life the way that he has died for you to live. I want nothing more than my life to look like Jesus died for it. I want nothing more than my life to be this uh, expression that I live in such a way that, that, it, that it, it does justice for the life that Jesus laid down for me to have. That I, I wouldn't live a life where it looks like Jesus died in vain for me because I was safe because I was afraid to take risks or I was afraid to actually believe. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. You can turn your Bible there. If not, it'll be on the screen. It says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm gonna read it one more time. For we are his workmanship. I love that created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has called you to be someone. And God has called you to do some things. God wants to actually partner with you, or let me rephrase that. God wants to use you. Like, well, people use me my whole life. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) He's not that kind of God. But he wants to empower you to be utilized so that someone near you might actually have this place of belief that is directed towards him like you once had in your life or maybe still do. God wants to use you, and that's really, really good news. It's important that we understand some things about our identity. Colossians chapter three, verse three. says, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. What that means is that when you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you were saying, Jesus, I'm choosing to die to my way of living. I'm choosing to surrender the way that I have lived. I'm choosing to surrender my kingdom and I'm I'm laying that down, I'm dying to my flesh, I'm dying to my own desire, and I'm saying, Jesus, will you, will you be complete Lord and Savior of my life? Will you be boss? Will you be Savior? That's, that's 
what he's talking about when he says, when you die to this life. Then it says, but your, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. What is he talking about? He's talking about your spirit. He's talking about who you are as a spirit. My real life is hidden with Christ in God. I want you to say that with me. My real life is hidden with Christ in God. I want you to say this too. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say this. I am the beloved of God. This is so good. These declarations are so, so good. And as it pertains to identity, find some things in scripture, like just what we did, and make sure you're declaring those things over yourself all of the time. I've got scriptures that I utilize, I've got uh, 10 godly beliefs that, that, uh, were for, that we formulated in, in some time of prayer that I confess over my life. When I run against those moments where I feel like I'm not good enough or that I don't have what it takes, there are things that I, can, I say out of my mouth because there's power in your words. Uh, there's a lot of times when you default and you're like, God, oh, you're such an idiot. I'm the only one that probably does that. Uh, but there's power in those things. I gotta, rev- I, gotta counter- I gotta counteract those things with some confession that is the word. Um, the God of the universe that created the heavens and the earth. He loves you. He loves you. And you ca- he calls you his. He's interested in your big things and he's interested in your small things because he calls you his. I think we run past this all the time. The thought of the father of heaven. He's thinking about me and you right now. That does a lot for me. That's not cliche. The truth is not cliche. The Lord loves you. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I said this just a moment ago, but it was your spirit that was made brand new upon giving your life to Jesus. And because of this, we've got to get to this place of understanding that that is where our true identity lies. It is that we are hidden with Christ in God, that we are new creations, that we are the old things have passed, all things have become new. I can't think of a safer place to be than hidden with Christ and God. Oftentimes, our identity, the identity that we operate from or the, the identity that we believe that we are comes from our soul. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, obviously, the things that we, th- the things that we think, our will, the choices that we make, and our emotions, the things that we feel. These three things will tell you that they rule. And sometimes they do. In fact, if you you look around the landscape of of our world and our society, there are a lot of people whose identity are found in what they think, how they feel, and what they do. 
do whatever you think, do whatever you feel, whatever makes you feel the best, do that. Oh, you don't like resistance, fantastic. Just do whatever you want to. And we actually are allowing our soul to actually identify temporary things are identifying who we are when a permanent God says the truth is your mind. So often our ear is inclined to something temporal when God is actually giving us something that is permanent. If soul is what makes up your identity, oftentimes you can find yourself in this place where you're closed to correction. If soul makes up your identity, you oftentimes don't like for people to teach you anything. The reason for that is because when my identity is wrapped up in my soul, I've arrived at this place internally that I already know. I said I, because I think I'm still the only one in the room that deals with this. Uh, I already know how I feel about that. My mind can't be changed. And because of that, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I'm just gonna give it to you straight, because the truth is I already know. You think you know, but you're actually puffed up. And the Lord's like, can I just deflate you a little bit? Just, can I help you get through the door, please? The Lord is in the business of doing miracles and shrinking our heads so that we can fit through doors. <laughs> that was for free. It was a ter- terrible joke. But oftentimes we have this tendency when we're identity is built in soul that we already know. This plays out several different ways. Maybe it's like this. Maybe you submitted yourself to the leading of another person. And in that mentoring relationship, in you following, you got hurt or you got offended about something that they said or something that they didn't say or something that they were supposed to do that they didn't do or whatever that is. All of a sudden, if you're not careful, perspective changes of the person. All of a sudden, you change the way that you approach that person because that person might have damaged you. And if you aren't careful what you'll start thinking about that person, you'll start thinking and attaching absolute statements to that person. They never and they always. When someone brings that person up, it's almost like this new thing, you get triggered. I don't know if that's new. I just feel like I hear it more. That just triggers me. Why? That's a great question. Well, because they always and they never. Is that really the truth or is that just what your experience is telling you is the truth? Or it shifts to us. I'm never putting myself out there in that relationship again because I always end up on the raw end of the deal and it never works out for me. These are things that we just say to ourselves internally, often. I'm never going to stay late at work because they never notice that I do. So we don't. And then our perspective changes and our, 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 our perception of someone is skewed. I'll never ask for help because the truth is I'll just get rejected again. 
I never trust again because I know what happens. Dog's the only thing you can trust. Not true, actually. Because they poop in my yard all the time. They be chewing stuff up. I'm like, I don't trust y'all. Come on. I'll never let someone in and touch that area again because it hurts too much. And the truth is, I'll just get hurt again. Steve Backlund talks all the time about this. He, he talks about how, and I've said this multiple times too, and, and probably recently, but your mind is always gonna be renewed. He says, don't be conformed, scripture says in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, he says, you're constantly renewing your mind to something. And it's either you're gonna renew your mind to the truth of the word and you're gonna bring your soul into subjection to what the word says, or you're gonna allow previous experiences and relationships, previous experiences in mentorship, previous experiences with spiritual leaders or spiritual fathers or mothers or whoever that is, or your wife or your husband, you're gonna allow a previous experience to tell you the truth is they always and they never. So what it does is it leads me into this place of, of explaining how I think of the soul. I think of the soul as a pinball machine. Pinball's fun. Sometimes their soul isn't. <laughs> I think about, as I'm talking about the soul and our mind, our will and our emotions and hurts and pains and all these different things and absolute statements and inner vows and all of these things, the truth is, is that relationship is tough. I don't know if you realize this, but we're, we're, we aren't very easy to get along with sometimes. <laughs> you're like, you're talking to yourself still. <laughs> so I, I feel fine. Someone hurts us and all of a sudden, the, no one signs up for that and it's like, well, I gotta protect that at all costs. So we build a, a little bumper around that hurt. Relationship keeps happening someone else hurts you, offends you, whatever that is, maybe you make an unwise decision and it results in pain, now you have another bumper. Now I want you to think about this. Throughout your life, how many bumpers in your soul do you have protecting certain things that you don't want touched from someone else? Now put a pinball, a relationship, your spouse, your husband, into the pinball machine of your soul. How much free real estate does that pinball, that relationship, your husband or your wife, have to navigate your soul without touching a bumper and they get sent off into something else that they actually don't have access to either? Guess what ends up happening? The more closed you are, the more bumpers that you have in place, at some point or time or another, that pinball is gonna fall into that hole where it doesn't come back. And guess what most of the time we do? Another bumper. And then there's another ball. And like, well, this, one, this one's gonna be different. We send that one in there and it, doesn't have, it has less real estate than the previous one. The thing about the bumper is this. The bumper offers protection from the hurt. That's what pride does. It offers to protect you from the area that you got hurt in because the truth is, hurt is real. Oftentimes, like, there's a real reason and I'm not making light of your reason for a bumper, and I don't even think we put bumpers in place or, or, or mechanisms in place on purpose. I think that they, they come through just these natural tendencies to recluse or to, to protect ourselves like a turtle sucking back in his shell when he feels vulnerable. 
but we have to see things for the way that they are because oftentimes that bumper says, I'm gonna protect you, but what the bumper doesn't tell you is I'm never gonna let you learn anything else about your hurt. This is where you will always be concerning that person because they always and they never. This is where you're always, this is how you're always going to feel about your mom or your dad because they hurt you in such a way that I'm offering pride as offering you protection, but it will never let you learn more about the why. We just keep building bumpers. We just keep adding to the chaos in our soul. This is even touching someone right now. Like, you might be frustrated with what I'm even saying. But what I'm hoping that you do is you start seeing some things in a way that you should so that you start unwiring some bad wiring. Because God is a healer, but he can't heal the things that you won't even give him access to. Well, Lord, I, I, just, want, I just want to be free. Well, can you unbolt the deadbolt and the padlock and... Can you, can you help him out a little bit? Because he's not going to throw you on the ground and tell you you have no choice but to get free. I bet he would love to do that, but he just won't violate your free will. And I hope that today you're, you're, you're seeing some things in a different way so that you, st- you start actually allowing him to have some access to diffuse the bombs that we walk around as. There's not a lot of free real estate in a lot of us. And I'm talking to me too. Y'all know. Y'all, don't come, y'all come home sometimes and the kid says one thing. It's like, trigger. It's a good thing we don't have access to a button that just sends nuclear bombs everywhere because we just be blowing stuff up all the time. Just bombing, 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 sending them. But we do that at our houses often. How much real estate does your wife have? Can your, can, your wife, can your wife talk to you about that thing that, that bothers you? Can your wife talk to you about dipping? That's a no-fly zone. You can't touch that. There's probably other areas too. Why? Because you're afraid of what they might say. Yes, Copenhagen dippers are still afraid. (laughs) They have fear. (laughs) They built up a tolerance to fear because they're tough putting that stuff in their lip every day, but they're still afraid. Do our husbands have access to us? Do our kids? How often do you apologize to your kids? How often do you go back and say, you know what, I was wrong as a father. I am the adult in the relationship. The way I handled you was wrong, and I'm sorry. Do you do that? How often do you apologize in general? I feel like sitting in silence makes it like, dun, dun, dun. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to diffuse the bombs. 
if we're not settled in what the word says about us, we'll continue to live in unauthentic ways with a people that need us to be the most present. Jason Valson makes a statement, he says transparency says you can see, I'll tell you the things. Vulnerability says you can touch, meaning I'll let you instruct, and I'll let you advise me, and I'll actually listen. I don't know a lot of people that say vulnerability that doesn't scare them. And I think it's because too often we're afraid that if we say the things that are vulnerable, we may never recover from those things that are vulnerable. So we keep things locked up. We don't say the things to our spouse. We don't say the thing to our boss. We don't say the thing to our, 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 our mother, our father, whatever that is. My, my daughter and I, we, we oh, y'all pray. She's 14, and I'm not confessing that the, the teenage years are gonna be our worst years. I'm not saying that at all. But we're bumping up against some things that we've never bumped up against. I've never parented a teenager. She's never been a te- teenager. She's never been parented as a teenager. The other day, we were just in a little bit of a square off. No gloves, just squaring off. And um, I said, you have something that you want to say, right? She said, I'm not going to say it. I said, why? I said, because I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble if I say it. You know who reflects that reflects on? This guy. I had painted parenting in such a way that I have the final say and there is no discussion. Some things there are no discussion because it doesn't need to be. Other things there are. She would not be vulnerable with me because the truth is in that particular area I always and I never and I'm not making that up. And so I had to figure out what is the bumper that I have placed in my soul that doesn't allow my daughter to have access to something that I'm afraid of. As a father, that's that's tough. Because they're coming to me thinking that I have some things figured out. And the truth is, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It's it's about an 80-20. Not in my favor. Insecurity is, uh, is such a, a wild thing as it pertains to our identity. Um, I think oftentimes we work tirelessly to keep people from thinking the things that we actually think about ourselves. That's the, that's the brutal thing about insecurity and I'll just tell it myself a little bit. There was a, a season in my life and, and I'm not saying insecurity doesn't have any place in me because yeah, of course it does. There was a time in my life where any time I got into a, a conversation, if I, I was in the church foyer, if I was at lunch or whatever that was, if I walked up into a group of guys, I instantly figured out or determined where I fell on the totem pole. And actually, I didn't even need to do much figuring because I was already gonna place myself at the bottom of it. Insecurity would grip me any time I was around uh, other men. So what did I find myself doing? I'm thinking the worst things about myself, but what I can't do is let them think what I'm thinking. So I just figure out something to say. Just think about something, a memory, like tell a joke, do something that, that hopefully 
makes them think that I actually belong at the table. Or I pull out my phone and I just start searching for a picture. Where's that picture that's gonna impress everybody? Just, where's that picture of that deer? Oh, have you seen this? Oh my gosh, one of the most amazing deer I've ever seen. Deer wasn't impressive. I'm just trying to deflect so that hopefully they don't begin to think what I'm already thinking about me. Because in that moment, I already had believed and confessed to myself that I am something wrong. I had already gotten to the place of, of, of self-discovery where I don't measure up, I don't stack up. And then the Lord would have me, I was like, finally, like I went through this season of just, ugh, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not kingdom. And FYI, that mentality that I just had is not kingdom. Because he clearly tells me in scripture that I have a different identity than my deeds and my things that I do, say, thoughts, actions. So I get in these situations again, like just, just internally, just turned inside out because I'm like, at any moment, I'm gonna get uninvited to this group. I am expecting rejection before the conversation ever happens. Or I'm building my defense case. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that does this. I'm building my defense case against someone before a conversation ever even happened. Well, if they say this, I'm gonna say do, 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 do. And not even sniffing a conversation like that. And the Lord finally was just like, hey, I need you to just be quiet. <laughs> At least he said it that way. Not the way we would probably say it. I get into these situations with these guys and I'm just, same thing, I'm just gripped with fear. What if they think that I don't have what it takes to be in this conversation? What if, what if Braden gets to this place where he believes that I don't have what it takes to pastor this church? What am I gonna do? And Lord, so you're gonna be quiet. Well, Lord, I can't be quiet because the longer I'm quiet, the more time it gives them to think the thing that I'm thinking about myself. And he said, exactly. Let me speak for you. Just be still and know that I am God. Just be still and know that I am God. And you are found in me. Not in what you can say, not in the ways in which you can press. Your reputation means absolutely nothing. Just be quiet. So I did that excruciatingly for a long time until finally the Lord started flushing out this need to say so that I could actually make myself known. He just was doing a work on the inside of me. Practically, I would say this. If you're dealing with massive amounts of insecurity, if I'm saying some things, you're like, oh, shoot. I feel exposed. What do I do? How do I deal with my insecurity? Start shining as much light on it as you possibly can. Well, that sounds extremely uncomfortable and unnecessary, exactly. 
Well, we've fallen in such a place of listening to our mind, our will, and our emotions that we've gotten to this comfort zone where it's, it's just this place that we're existing, but not a place that we can thrive in. Start shining as much light on your, on your insecurity as possible. Find some people that you can tell your things to, and then they'll tell you the truth about what you just told them. We have to have that. I went on an apology tour in the middle of my <laughs> identity crisis, if you want to call it that, because it just shed light on my insecurities. It shed light on my pride. And the truth is, is that my pride, anything that tells me something other than what God says about me, consider it dark. We have to start living that way. We, float, we flirt too much with the line of tolerance. And the Lord has laid his life down so that you will stop tolerating this and start accepting this. And we just got to get to this place where it's like, you know what? If it's not kingdom, I don't want it. And I'm just going to put light on it. I'm just going to let the light of the Lord literally purify me in such a way. It might be ugly when things start getting purified out of you. But if your purpose in your heart is to become cleaner, to become more pure, to live more from your place of identity, then why, what are we waiting for? When I, when I was a, uh, I was the children's and youth pastor here at one point, 2016, and uh, I nicely was fired. Kindly was fired. It was a nice, cordial relationship between Braden and I. Uh, I have a history. Um, it's a long one, and it's one that ends in redemption, which is beautiful. And uh, we just come to this place of like, hey, you're not doing a good job. I'm like, I know. He's like, you need to go do something different. And I was like, okay. That was nice. But it unraveled a lot of things that I did not know were undeveloped in me. And as it pertains to the identity thing, it was as if I had not even found the key that goes into the ignition to start the vehicle that takes me down the road of finding identity. All of a sudden, position is gone, place of work is gone, my title was gone, I found myself for the first time, when I got saved, I got saved in 2005. Two years later, I was in full-time ministry. There were some things that I'd, and, and I know I'm not saying like, that God missed it at all, no, no, no. There were some things that, that were just undeveloped. I was top-heavy. I had skipped leg day. And identity is leg day, amen? Just keep squatting, keep pressing, all the things. Stay away from the buys and the tries. Just do legs. Identity, 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 identity. And then he'll, he'll deliver the spiritual gift that lets you work out your, your biceps and your triceps. Your chest will get a little bit bigger. Your traps will get a little bit bigger. He'll give you some words of knowledge. But make sure your identity is strong because the moment that you don't work your legs and you start operating uh, from a false place of identity, your spiritual gift will make you so top-heavy that you're doing it for his glory and your glory and not his. And so I just was in this place of just like, hurt and pain and the guy that they had hired to take my position <laughs> actually it was it was kind of funny they're like so who do you think would do a great job and I was like oh this guy man this guy's amazing he'll do a fantastic job he's teaching our elementary class he's gonna crush it so they hired him as a youth pastor and I hated him after that <laughs> just being real honest I was like I don't like to see this guy I was still coming to the church I didn't leave the church or anything like that 
I started ushering. I went from children's pastor, youth pastor, to doing nothing to can I just usher? Because I just love the church. Not this church, I just love the body. And um, man, this guy would get on stage to do announcements. I'm like, oh, I don't like to hear his voice. Ooh, I don't like his face right now. Y'all ever been there? Thank you. Now, now we're all preaching together. Uh, as I'm two minutes over time, I'm not preaching to myself anymore. Anyways, just kidding. Um, I just got in this place with this guy. I was just like, I just want to wring this guy's neck. And he ain't done nothing wrong to me. It was insecurity. It was deep, deep, deep insecurity. The Lord said, what are you going to do about it? So I'm going to go tell him. He said, okay, go tell him. So young adult night, and I, I never went to young adults. I didn't feel like I was a young adult at the time, but I went this one night because I knew he'd be there. I said, hey, can I talk to you just for a second? This is when I was talking about the purification process getting ugly. This is, I'm about to show you ugly real quick. I said, uh, man, <sighs> I just, I don't know how to say this other than just to say it, but I do not like you. I'm not kidding at all about this. I said, I don't like to see your face. I don't like your success. I don't like that the youth group's growing under you when it didn't grow under me. I don't like your preaching. I don't like when you get up to do announcements. I don't like, any of, I don't like anything about you. But here's the truth. All of that is my own insecurity. And you are none of the things that I just said. I don't know how to deal with my insecurity other than to just put as much light on as I possibly can. And this is the most vulnerable and insecure thing and uh, uneasy place that I could find myself into. And the Lord said, just do it. It changed our relationship some. (laughs) But I just was like, if there's anything in me that's not kingdom, as it pertains to my identity, I don't want it. And he said, just put as much light on it as you can. And so I would just say this to you this morning. Put as much light on it as you can. Maybe don't do it my way. Ask the Lord. Lord, how do I diffuse my bombs? What bombs do I have? Where, are, where in my life do I even have bumpers that are, that are offering me protection but are keeping me from growing in areas? Because the truth is he has way more for you in store than maybe you even walked in. It's, I know it's more than you could ask, think, hope, or even imagine because he's told us that. But will you allow him to actually start unwiring some things in your life so that he can rewire you to find yourself in this place where as a spirit, you are perfect in the Lord and your soul has to just come under the subjection to the word that says so. Would you allow him to change you from the inside out by rewiring some of your identity? That's my hope and that's my prayer as a pastor that you would be so found in the Lord that when someone hurts you, you actually have this ability to do what the scripture says and turn the other cheek. Why? Not because you're not willing to keep up, uh, take up for yourself. It's that you're allowing the Lord to do the works for you. Will you just allow him to start uncovering some things so that you can be rewired? Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.